Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Greetings, ladies marmalade. Ooh. Marmalade. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? I am so grateful that pop music hasn't tried to do a reboot. Like, leave it to LaBelle and like, leave, it, leave to it to Christina, <laughs> yes. Maya, Pink, Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim. Yes, that's, that's it. it. You know what I mean? I am not Patti LaBelle. I'm Sam Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> I am not Maya, but I am Saeed Jones. And I am not Christina Aguilera, but I am Zach Snafford. And you are listening to Vibe Check. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about Patti LaBelle recently because my Aunt Betty was here for Thanksgiving and I was like, you have to hear all of my records. I do records now and I'm playing this old LaBelle record and we're loving it. And then I was like, Betty, have you ever seen the Patti LaBelle Where My Background Singers clip? And she was mm. like, no. And I said, oh, what? girl, you got to see it. It's incredible. And she loved it. For those who don't know, this Patty video in question, in the early 90s when Bill Clinton was president, Patty LaBelle was supposed to sing at the annual White House Christmas tree lighting, which is run live on TV, like in November or December. Because Bill Clinton was late, it threw off the Secret Service protocol, and they tried to have Patty open the show to stall for Bill, but the background singers couldn't make it up to the stage with Patty. Because while they had to lock down to wait for Bill, the background singers were stuck outside. So there's this oh, video wow. of Patty by herself. This is great. I didn't know. Yeah, the I didn't whole know this story. part of this. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> there's this. There's this video of Patty on stage. They haven't even finished setting up for the whole thing, but they're like, "Patty, yeah. sing." The teleprompter yeah, is doing the wrong lyrics. Basically, pushed Patty Labelle onto that stage. She has no oh, background Patty. singers, and as she's singing <laughs> this Christmas, she ad libs. Where my back? This is the season of that Patty video. Ah, uh, it's amazing. Anywho, 
I digress. <laughs> and it's also one of the first videos in which I realized that most singers don't know every song that you would think they would. They do need help. They need help. They, need yes. they, they do so much, they can't remember everything. And it gave me more generosity to when I was at the Beyonce concert and I saw that she had teleprompters. She sure did. Like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably yeah. can't keep an entire three-hour set list perfectly in your head. You right. may need visual. And just all kinds of things are going on. Like someone holds up a crazy sign and you're like, wait, where yeah. am I? Yeah. In the middle yeah. of Alien Superstar? <laughs> I get it. I get it. We stand in solidarity, Patty. <laughs> yes, yes. Miss Patty. I'm sorry. Let me not forget my Miss Patty of Patty Pie uh, fame. We love you. <laughs> uh, we Anywho, love you. I hope you're all enjoying the holiday season. We're actually sharing this episode with y'all in the last week of 2023, to which I say, kind of good riddance, girl. Goodbye. <laughs> Had enough girl, of you. listen. <laughs> goodbye. Don't let the See door you. hit you 2023. <laughs> yes, yes. So this week in this episode, we're going to reflect on some of the biggest news and pop culture moments of the year. We are also going to talk about what we're leaving behind in 2023 and what our intentions are for 24. It's going to be a great show. I love it. Before we get into the episode, though, we want to thank all of you, first of all, for spending your year, for surviving your 2023 alongside with us. We did it, y'all. We did it. And so many of you have used fan mail, you know, emailing us your thoughts, your ideas, your feedback every week, and we really appreciate it. Also, people reaching out to us on social media. It's just been a hoot being able to stay in touch with you that way. And as always, you can keep them coming at vibecheck at stitcher.com. But for now, last time for the year that is 2023, let's jump in, shall we? Are we? Let's do it. Okay. Where my background singers at, damn it? We love a callback. That's we perfect. love a callback. <laughs> Leave it in, Chantel. Leave it in. <laughs> So let's talk some of the biggest cultural moments of 2023. And each of us are going to talk about our picks. And we actually just learned of each other right before this call. So uh, right. enjoy the ride with us on this one. <laughs> yes. uh, um, but each segment, we're going to do three. Each of us are giving our own thing. And then we'll discuss it all. So to get us going, I'll go first. And my pick for this year was, I want to say the return of movie theaters, but the fight rather to keep movie theaters alive. Since the pandemic hit in 2020, we've seen a big decline in movie theaters across the nation. Even before the pandemic hit, they were already struggling. People have changed how they view Mm -hmm. movies because of streaming and all that good stuff. However, in the past year, we've seen some rays of hope, I think. And a lot of this has to do with the Barbieheimer phenomenon, if y'all remember that, where Barbie and Oppenheimer went head to head. These movies ushered in an era of tentpole movies, which is what we all grew up with. You know, we're all kids yes. of the 80s and 90s. We used to go to movies on a Friday. You Independence Day? Yes. Jurassic Day. Park. X-Men oh. coming out. Everyone wins. Titanic. Yes. It was a thing that you did as a country. And then you all talked about it at work all next week. And that's kind of gone away. But this is the year that it's returned. Yeah. And I've loved it. I love the homogeneity of that conversation of that. We all have something to talk about that is interesting. And in the wake of Barbaheimer, we've seen other films really push through and create other buzz. Famously, Taylor Swift and Beyonce bringing documentaries to theaters in such a huge way. Uh, so for me, that's the big cultural moment is that movies have a fighting chance. I don't think they'll be what they were when we were kids, but I think there's a reason for them. We're understanding how they serve a purpose in art, and I'm excited for that purpose for me. What do y'all think? I'm totally into it. As someone who loves the movies and kind of covers the industry, I want to see movie theaters survive. 
but we're seeing increasingly now what's going to be the thing that helps movie theaters survive. It's no longer the lazy recycled IP of Marvel, their last movie, The Marvels. It won't even break $100 million probably at the U.S. box office. We are seeing now what does work. Movies that take off in viral marketing campaigns online, kind of unbeknownst to the teams behind them. Like, no one thought that Barbenheimer would be a thing. It happened organically. And usually, movie studios would have pitted these two films against each other. The internet said, let's go do it together. And so, I think the lesson for the movie industry is to make good things and allow and wait for the organic marketing online to be whatever it needs to be or should be. That's my lesson from those two movies. Mm -hmm. I also think that like part of the way forward is tapping into devoted fan bases. It is a no-brainer to make a Taylor Swift concert movie. It is a no-brainer to make a Beyonce concert movie. This is the way. It's just money on the table. This is the way, you know? Yeah, I guess my thing is, and it's interesting because of the three of us, I go to movie theaters the least. Yeah. In 2023, I probably went to movie theaters three or four times. Wow. I think Zach and I go three or four times a month, if not more. (laughs) Yeah, and you do, and you do. But but the thing is, you know, just worth remembering, going to the movie theater is more expensive Mm -hmm. than ever before. You know, when we were reflecting on movies like Titanic and Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, and I mean, could you imagine our parents being like, this is $50 for each of us. Like, what, you know, like when you at the ticket and the concession stand. You got and, popcorn at the house. And people do not know how to act. A woman sitting in front of me at the Beyonce Renaissance was on her phone checking her email the entire movie. When she wasn't dancing, she would like dance. And then as soon as it was like a documentary part, she was like literally looking at her iCal. So, you know, there are new impediments to going to the movie theater as well. But I think you're right. One, embracing tentpole opportunities. And then one other thing I would like to see, I would like to see movies or even TV shows that maybe have already had their window closed Mm -hmm. for being in movie theaters, but then take off on TikTok. I would love to see studios be more responsive and say, we know this movie came out six years ago, but people are obsessed with it. Let's screen it, you know, for a week or something. Yeah. I will add one more thing. And Zach, you mentioned this earlier. Part of what has kind of almost revolutionized the way that I think about going to the movies this year has been joining a movie theater subscription. I'm not going to name the theater because I don't want to be given Spawn Con for no reason. But (laughs) for one theater chain, I pay about 30 bucks a month and then I can go to a movie a day for just like two bucks a movie. That's a good deal. That means whenever I want to go to the movies now, it's two dollars. So... Last year, I'd be like, do I really want to see this movie? Is it worth this money? Da, 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 da. Now, if I have a few hours to spare and I'm bored, I go to the movies. It's a game change. And Zach, you were saying that it is helping revive the bottom line for these theaters, right? Yeah. So as I said before, there are less theaters than in the past two decades. And that means there's less you know, potential profits for the theaters because there's not as many theaters open. So they're having to find new meaningful ways to generate revenue for their bottom line. And subscriptions are because you become a passive investor every month in the business. So there may be a month, Sam, that you don't go, but you're not going to cancel your subscription, exactly. most likely. Some people do. So it helps them continue to forecast because a lot of these companies are publicly traded too. So it's really good for them and helps them look stronger to Wall Street that they have you as a committed fan base. Yeah. So that's a great thing. Last night, I had finished my things to do for the day, 
And I just, it was like five in the evening and I was like, what do I do now? I could have gone home and watched TV on the couch and just vegged out. But I was like, no, let me take myself to the movies. And it only cost two more dollars than being on my couch. It's a fun little time filler. I like it. Well, Sam, you're already talking. So I want to go to you to keep the talking going. What was your big cultural thing this year that you loved? I think there was a big cultural thing through line this year in terms of what really won 2023 in pop culture. And that was women. The biggest movie of the year was Barbie. The biggest concert tours of the year were Taylor Swift and Beyonce. The biggest selling artist of the year was Taylor Swift. And the artist to receive the most nominations at the upcoming Grammy Awards was SZA. Mm. This is women's pop culture and we're lucky to be alive in this time where everywhere you turn there are women in charge in control mm-hmm. winning and making buku money i kind of hope it stays this way and i kind of hope that we take the right lessons from what we've seen you know we've talked about barbie on this show before after barbie was a runaway success at the box office a lot of folks were saying well the lesson here is uh make more movies about toys and it's like no right. what if the it's lesson like, is no. <laughs> make more movies about women made yeah. by women yeah. right i think we see the same thing with taylor and beyonce the biggest women artists of our time have the most devoted fan bases beyonce fans and taylor swift fans will spend more money over and over and over to support these artists than a fan of Jack Harlow or Morgan Wallen or whoever. It's just like, if I were in charge of any kind of entertainment company, my strategy for the next five to 10 years would be women. That's it. I would have women in charge, behind the scenes, in front of the camera and the microphone. It's just like, at this point, how is Hollywood, how is entertainment not doing right by women when we know (laughs) the power that their content has. So that's my thing of the year. You're the woman. And to add to that, you know, it wasn't just women in front of the camera, behind the camera, they were really powerful too. The strikes themselves in Hollywood came to a close because women leadership really took over. Fran Drescher really took over. And other names that people may not be as familiar with are Meredith Syam, who's the president of Writers Guild of America West, and Ellen Stutzman, Mm -hmm. who was the chief negotiator. So women were literally running that table and helped close deals that have really changed the lives in a meaningful way for people in Hollywood. So it's on both sides. And I would add, thinking about hip-hop, which was kind of the one aspect of pop culture we haven't addressed in this Because it was a mess this year. (laughs) But when we think of women in hip-hop, I would say this is the most diverse that field has ever looked. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think generally, I think for the last 20 or so years, and because what, hip-hop just celebrated, what, its 50th anniversary? Yeah. Right? Usually the format was men, 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 and there might be one spot. Uh-huh. <laughs> one and she was co-signed spot. by a man, yeah. loyal and, to a and man. If you, yeah. Right, and when you look at the year 2023, we have our legends like Queen Latifah and Missy Elliott receiving their flowers. In the same time that we have up-and-coming stars like Flyanna Boss, who I've fallen in love with them yeah. via TikTok. And they're good. They did a remix with Missy that's actually just fucking Ooh, cool. Oh, it fucking check that out. And okay. then, you know, in between them, you know, take your pick. You got Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion. You know, like, there's just, like, a lot of options, you know. And so just that range of women, it just 
just feels like to me, women in hip hop, that music sounds ascendant, that whole genre, that mm-hmm. vibe. It's fun. As Sam, as you've pointed out, they're having fun. And then you listen to men in hip hop, and it's just Girl. like, y'all okay? <laughs> yeah. Drake, the incel so, yeah. that couldn't. Ugh. Right, right. Oh, so I don't, I don't know about like the the numbers for women in hip hop, but at least in terms of like the representation and the vibe, it's felt rich. It's felt yeah. ascended, yeah. and I've loved to see. Yeah, that. I would say yeah. in my whole life, I've never been able to point to so many women currently releasing mm-hmm. songs. So it's whether it's yeah. like Glorilla, City Girls, Cardi right. B, Megan. You can keep going, Nikki. and it just yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just usually just one. It's usually just one. Well, Saeed, what was your big cultural moment of the year? So this is something that I have just been obsessing over privately, much to Sam's chagrin, because he's like, Saeed, it's just you. You're the only person <laughs> worrying what? about this. But, but now's what? my time. Now's, now's my your time. time. Now's your One time. of my favorite cultural threads of the year has been movement, has been dance. My theory mm. is that a lot of the dance and the choreography we've been seeing on TikTok has now started to impact the broader, more mainstream pop culture, for example, mm-hmm. music videos. Troy Zavon loves a dance, yep. loves a little he does. twirl, doesn't he? he that does. little twink gets out there and does it, you know? Those um, little robot music- arms swinging. Right. The robot arms. <laughs> What's in there? And I love it because it was very clearly, and he's given, you know, credit, clearly drawing from the influence of people like Janet Jackson specifically. Yep. Mm-hmm. But again, like, I loved his album and I love those songs, but also these music videos were driven by choreography. And that's what I mean. Not just that we're, there were people dancing in them, but where you feel like the choreography is kind of the leading point for the cultural impact. The Barbie yeah. movie disco scene, obsessed, mm-hmm. obsessed. <laughs> the jungle, those two white, I didn't even know they were white British boys. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was a little enclave of dancers. No. So what jungle does, it's these two white British guys mm-hmm. But they are always bringing in some allies <laughs> for <laughs> vocal support. <laughs> Who are excellent. Oh, the, the, the dancing yeah. is so beautiful. And I, I didn't realize until later, but their whole new album, each of the videos is connected. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh, a little wow, short film. Uh-huh. Very beautiful choreography and dancing. But if I could add to Saeed, like an artist you didn't mention that I just want to give some attention to because I've been ignoring her and now I'm not. It's Tate McRae. Tate McRae is this new hot up-and-coming pop singer, but dance is essential to her rise. She's trained as a dancer first, then became a pop star, and her music videos are all odes to Christina and Britney at their prime. So we're seeing that that as like the future too of pop music is let's bring back dancing really in these incredible ways. Yeah, and movement. And also, frankly, I just think like, it's interesting because we've been talking about like not just the pop culture, but what it means for the industry. And I think dance, choreography, that's healthy for the music industry, right? Like, it's good to have, like, an entire rich kind of landscape of people who make artistry out of movement being celebrated and given Mm -hmm. opportunities to be, you know, highlighted as well. And it's a type of movement that I'm happy we're getting back to because it felt like for a few years, all of the dances were made for TikTok, which meant that they were constrained. They were constrained for the shape of that screen. Mm -hmm. And when I see Troy Sivan do his choreo, his robot arms are swinging outside (laughs) of the iPhone screen, right? Like, it's full body choreo. And like all of these examples that you're mentioning, Saeed, Mm -hmm. it's full body choreo and not just Mm -hmm. TikTok choreo. Mm -hmm. I like it. Keep it up. And it's different. I mean, I'm thinking of Tyla, who actually, I've got to say, 
I came across her music. She's out of South Africa doing very well with her song, Water. That was TikTok, but she's drawing from a tradition of like a very specific, I believe, South African-informed mm-hmm. dance movement. So when we're looking at whether it's Troy Sivan or the dancers in the Jungle music video or, you know, the Barbie kind of disco, like people are moving differently. And I guess that's what I keep mm-hmm. going back to, kind of like what I was saying, like women in hip hop, the fact that there is a range, not just mm-hmm. one option, I think is kind of the sign of a healthy pop cultural landscape. I agree. Yeah, I love that. I yeah. love that so much. Bring back the dance. And also Bring to tie it all dance. together, the movie that really created the environment for dance, women, et cetera, to explode was the uh, movie Megan that came out last year in 2022 oh. that had Wait. the viral dance scene. Oh, wow. That, you know, wow. That people oh, rushed right. yeah. She was dancing. Yeah. yeah, she was dancing. And that was the beginning. Wow. That was the end dancing of 2022. and killing. That's when and you so, know you've done it. Wow. Yep. Megan walked so we could run. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for us to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Vibe Check. Hey there. Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the Black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more, are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friends. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful superfans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. All right, we're back. We're going to keep this conversation going, talking about the biggest moments of the year. I want us to use this segment to talk about our biggest newsy or political moments of 2023. And Zach, we're going to start with you. All right. Well, I think the story that has defined this year for me in so many ways is the Israel-Hamas conflict that began on October 7th when Hamas Mm -hmm. attacked Israel, resulting in a thousand people dead and the responding attack from Israel that has now engulfed the entire region. This is a story that is, 
I would say once in a decade type of levels. It's something that has really stopped the world. Everyone's thinking about it. It's constantly on the news. It's constantly a conversation I'm having with friends and family and something I'm constantly just waking up and thinking about. And it will continue to go on for a while. So I think, you know, it's been an ongoing thing that's been going on for over 70 years. And we've hit this new inflection point that I think has just boiled over and changed our lives in so many ways that I'm still figuring out. So for me, that's the big story of the year. Absolutely. Both because of what happened, the terrorist attack on October 7th, but also I would say Israel, in my opinion, just factually disproportionate response. What Palestinian people are enduring and trying to survive has been harrowing just to observe, right? To say nothing of people there directly. And in terms of the future of news, like where, where we go into 2024, I don't think that this is a news topic. I think you're right. This is a a bend in the river for yeah. a lot of people. I think many people's relationships to political ideas, ideas regarding politics, nationhood, war, violence, and each other, you know, how you feel about how the people around you feel about this topic is certainly heightened. And I, I think, you know, getting to the real, the awakening aspect of it, people owning their politics— it's probably a net good, mm-hmm. but this is costly. You know what I mean? Like, like how many thousands of people have died so that we can have a richer understanding of politics? That doesn't sound like a silver lining I want to embrace. No. Yeah. For me, this conflict has really shown the ways in which America has moved from being a leader on the world stage to an outlier. Mm. When you look at the number of countries that are increasingly and consistently calling for ceasefire on the region, it's now a majority of the world, the vast majority of the world. You know who the outliers are? Israel and the U.S. and maybe France. I love that. Let's dig deeper because it's also President Biden is an outlier Mm -hmm. compared to most U.S. citizens. Most Americans are like, ceasefire is clearly the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been very interesting to see this conflict happen and have the Biden White House continue the rhetoric that most modern era presidents have used, which is we are a global leader. America is a global Mm -hmm. leader. We're doing this Mm -hmm. to protect the world. That rhetoric is kind of being trotted out in the midst of this conflict, but it is not the reality. (laughs) The reality would be that if the U.S. wanted to be a leader, they would much more adamantly be pushing for a ceasefire, which is where most of the world is. So this, for me, marks a real shift. We don't know how this thing ends, but this, for me, marks another big moment in which the U.S. on the world stage, whether it believes it or not, is kind of being left behind. Yeah, that's such a clear way of putting it. That is the biggest difference I feel as someone in their 30s who's seen the U.S. engage in many conflicts. I always felt like we were the one leading the West into battle, Mm -hmm. into diplomacy, into whatever. And now we're just reacting to Bibi's thoughts and actions in these really clumsy ways. And even inside the White House, it's really divided. Like, I've never seen a White House staff so divided over something internally. So, yeah, it's a difference. Last thing I'll say about this, even the way in which the Biden White House, the administration in America talks about the conflict itself, they talk about it as if it's a fair fight. In so many ways, it's not. People in Gaza are relying on the people who are attacking them 
for aid and to let them cross the borders. That is not an even or fair fight. And it seems as if the Biden White House is really reluctant to acknowledge that reality. It's troubling. I am questioning how the Biden stance changes as we move into the election year, because as Saeed mentioned, the majority of America at this point, at least it's citizens, they want a ceasefire. And again, listeners, when this episode airs, it's going to air a few weeks after we have actually taped it. But this is a headline that I'm going to read. It is from today. It's from Reuters. Quote, Israel ordered Palestinians to leave parts of the main southern city in the Gaza Strip on Monday, even as its bombs rained down on areas where it told them to go. Right. They so have nowhere people to go. have already been displaced once who have moved to a safer place, are now being bombed there too. This is collective punishment. There's no coming back from this knowledge. There are certain moments in your life, either you know if you're directly affected or you witness them. If you saw the shock and awe campaign, for example, mm-hmm. in 2003, there are certain things where you see and you just don't come back from that knowledge. I hope it's a productive, transcendent transformation, right? Where you're like, okay, how do we get real? How can I work to make the world a safer place? But I think for 2023, this is the kind of year a lot of people are having. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Saeed, what was your most impactful newsy or political moment from this year? I think it certainly relates to the ceasefire or free Palestine moment. Those are related, but maybe not the same for different people. But protest. This is a year where I think many people who maybe haven't had to make a protest sign or, you know, find where, like, where do you get a megaphone if you need one, you know, <laughs> yeah. or like, you know what I mean? Like learning to download apps that can be safe in case your phone is confiscated by cops at a protest, like all of that. Like a lot of people, I think, are waking up and are realizing, kind of like I was saying before, like this sense of understanding the power of the body in terms of movement, in terms of dance, that pleasure is transformed into the power of the body in terms of collective action. SAG, WGA, Teamsters, UPS, hospital workers. Auto workers, all of it. Auto workers. I have a a friend in who lives in Portland, Oregon, and she was like, teachers are protesting that, you know, I mean, it's just every sector of our lives, certainly in the last few years, but it really feels like 2023 has been like an inflection point. And I have found that inspiring, you know, hard one. I mean, it's like people don't boycott or protest until shit is really real. You know, people do not just do that casually, is my opinion. And so I don't want to just be like, oh, it's so nice to see. But I'm like, no, this is real. This is real. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. some of these issues, frankly, life or death. But it's good to see people recognizing that there is power in our bodies and there is power in us coming together to say like, no, you know, I'm not like a lone voice. And what I have enjoyed watching in this year of protest is all of us seeming to collectively like put all the dots together. Mm. Every sector, every industry is dealing with the same issue. Mm-hmm. Corporations and shareholders have too much power and too much money and they're not sharing. And it doesn't matter if you work for the post office or HBO Max, right? Like yep. collectively we are realizing that there's a corporate power structure that across all industries is exploiting lower wage workers. Right. And just like out of sync with the rest of us. Out of sync. Yeah. And so to see everyone say, no, it's not just over here. It's not just over there. It's all of us and all around. That feels like progress to me. 
Yeah. And I think people have become really aware of how protests can lead to different types of results. I mean, living in Los Angeles, we've seen how the strikes have directly impacted the city's economic stance Mm -hmm. and how we've also had to rush to help each other. You know, every quarter I go with producers to buy food for IATSE members because no one thinks about the guys that are serving you food on set. So we're all thinking about means of production in these really broad ways and, and arriving to moments within that pipeline of where we can show up and help out, which has been really incredible. It's like so much power, I think, is and has been taken away from individual people, right? It's like voter suppression just being one example, right? Where you, you know, increasingly likely, I think we often feel we don't have a voice to influence what's going on, especially when corporations and billionaires have so much power. But seeing people, you know, the phrase power to the people is real. Mm-hmm. It resonates for yeah. a reason. And I think 2023 reminded us of that. Yeah. Sam, what about you? What's your big kind of news political moment of reflection for 2023? I have been watching one simmering politics story that I think will be the defining issue of the 2024 election. And that is seeing abortion when it's on the ballot across the country in every election after Roe has fallen. In every election in red states or blue states, voters have chosen to preserve the right to legal and safe abortion. It's happened everywhere. It's happened in Mm -hmm. the Midwest. It's happened on the coast. Mm -hmm. And this is a sign for Democrats and Republicans about what's going to resonate. I'm most fascinated by the results in Ohio. Saeed's home. O-H-I-O. No us. (laughs) Yes, yes. And we've discussed this before on a previous Vibe Check episode. But what I found so fascinating about that election is it's not just that Republicans wanted the right to abortion on the ballot. It's that in the same moment, they tried to disenfranchise voters' rights to vote to get the results that they wanted on abortion. They lost on both counts. This is a big deal, and it sets up the ways in which abortion is actually about more than just abortion this next election Mm -hmm. year. It's about control. There's a beautiful essay written by Rebecca Traster in New York Magazine that lays this out a bit. But long story short, when you talk about abortion and you talk about the current GOP, this is just the start of what they want to do. They don't want to just control your right to legal and safe abortion. They want to control what pronouns you choose to call yourself. They want to control what kind of books can be in your libraries. They want to control what your children can wear and what bathrooms they can use. They want to control whether or not you can organize to unionize when you're at work. Mm -hmm. It is all about control. And there is one party that isn't just trying to control things like abortion they're trying to control your access to the ballot box to then control your right to things like abortion it is imperative for democrats should they want to not see trump get elected again it's imperative for them to connect these dots i think a lot of folks on the left are just thinking well you know next year just say abortion over and over and over again It's a winning issue, but it's not enough. I think there's a moment now, seeing the way that the entire GOP has reacted to the fall of Roe, there's a moment to say, this election is all about control. One party Mm. wants to control you inside and out. The other seems to want to lower childhood poverty and see wages go up. (laughs) 
<laughs> like it's like it's 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 just kind of a no brainer to me. I don't trust Democratic leadership to get that messaging right, but there's an opportunity should they want to to do just that. But yeah. For me, abortion is the political story of 2023, and it will also be for 2024. I love that because you're right. The Democratic machine does need a through line to really galvanize all of its constituents. And talking about control is a really you know, juicy thing. I can bite into that as a voter. I'm yeah. like, okay, they're trying to control me. They're trying to control my bathroom, trying to control where I can watch drag shows, trying to mm-hmm. control how I vote. What I read. What, what I kids read, read. What my kids read. Yeah. That control is such a good verb to use there. And it does help me kind of crystallize what's happening because they get us with, you know, here's a drag queen. Here's a book. Here's a this. Here's a, it's like all over the place, but we need that thing to coalesce around and, and control does seem to be that. And, they're so likely and so loved to use the word freedom. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. When you, when you peel it back, they want the opposite. They yeah. want the opposite for you and your body. We'll see if the Democratic Party's leaders seize this opportunity, because I think both when it's like, obviously, abortion on the ballot works, and like another issue, ceasefire, yeah. overwhelming support. <laughs> mm-hmm. But guess who's saying mm-hmm. everybody but the people at the top, you know? But yeah, I think it's very clear. And it's like, it's a clear through line. It's actionable. When you say like, this election is about control, it like lines up in people's minds. You can see yeah. the dots go da, da, da. And that's powerful. I got it. It's the Janet Jackson election. I was okay. waiting. I was going to say that to you, but I was like, I'll let Sam Woo! get there when he gets there, but it's Auntie the Sam Janet is going to land Jackson. at Janet. Okay. Uh. Wow. Also, I want to give credit where credit is due. The Rebecca Traster essay I alluded to is in New York Magazine. It was published November 17th of 2023, and it's called Abortion Wins Again. Now what? Mm. All right, with that, time for another quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our intentions for the new year. Hey, friends. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful superfans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. All right, my loves, we are back, and it is time for us to talk about our intentions moving forward. So we're going to actually do this in two parts. We're very excited. We're going to talk about what we are going to leave behind in 2023, and then also what we're going to seize upon in 2024. So we're kind of like, we're leaving this, and we're running toward that. I'm really excited. Zach, do you want to get us started? Let's start with what you are leaving behind. What I'm leaving behind, and I actually said this to Sam yesterday about something else that I will not talk about, but (laughs) it's been on my mind a lot. And it is, you know, I have forever been 
I don't want to say nosy, but I put myself in other people's business a lot as a helper. Like I think of myself as as someone that has a lot of creative problem-solving ability. So if you got a problem, I'm mm-hmm. here to fix it. And sometimes that extends to the woman at the cash register who's picked the wrong apple and I know she's going to be charged wrong. Like I just like step up a lot to try to help when I'm not being asked to help anything. So for what I'm leaving behind is a phrase that me and Sam were talking about yesterday, which is not yeah. my dog, not my race. Also known as not my circus, not my monkeys. Not my circus, yeah. So being very... Yeah. <laughs> this is why we should hang out in person. I was going to see how many animals y'all were going to work <laughs> Got a lot of animals. This is the zoo of knowledge. Not my bronco, um, not my rodeo. Sometimes you're hanging out with your friends and you're like, they got stoned together recently. <laughs> I can tell I mean, they were. No, I can tell not. y'all were in Sam's backyard vibing, thinking thoughts. I love it. To express the real truth here, I had two glasses of wine on an empty stomach. So that's why oh. we arrived there. Um, okay, so I was re- definitely feeling it. But, okay, you know, real. I'm just really getting better <laughs> at, you know, seeing something happen around me and being like, that's not for you to deal mm. with. Because I take on a lot of burden sometimes of anxiety for other people mm. without them even asking me to. So, you know, if a friend asks me for help, I'm going to respond. But I'm not going right. to just like raise my hand, rush to a problem just because I can fix it. Because you know what? I'm not the fire department. So I should stop acting there like you it. go. So that's what I'm letting go. There you go. Okay. I like that. Someone smarter than me once said, you can't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. And I believe that. that and I think so that, that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I love all these phrases we have. This is very crazy. <laughs> My dad would be so proud of this. Oh, God. <laughs> and then, and what's your intention for 2024? Oh, so my intention, and I've said this on a show in passing, but I'm really leaning into it. And it's, I'm really trying to make sure my my present self is taking care of my future self. And a lot of this thinking comes from a lot of incredible writing I read years ago and I've returned to by people like the psychologist Hal Hirschfeld. He has a book called Your Future Self, How to Make Tomorrow Better Today. And the whole kind of thesis around us not being able to take care of our future self is because we're all too in love with procrastination. And procrastination is mm-hmm. all about us not allowing ourselves to take a second to be like, hey, future me needs some help. Why can't I do that now so I feel better then? And procrastination is all about that because for, huh. there's like really real reasons for that. So certain people, especially if you're black and queer like us, you aren't ever promised a future. You don't know if tomorrow's coming. So you don't want to do the hard work today to make sure you're going to be good in six months because you don't even know if six months is going to come around. And I think I'm in a place in my life where I know, hopefully, God willing, I will be here in six months. So I should take better Mm -hmm. care of myself today so in six months I feel even better. And there's a quote that Hal Hirschfeld wrote in a piece that he published online that kind of synthesizes all this. And he says, in putting something off until a later point in time, we're failing to consider how much our future self will want to avoid the same negative emotions that we're trying to avoid right now. So Mm. I'm just taking a lot of heart into that. And when I have moments in which I'm, you know, enjoying the fruits of taking care of my future self. I say, thank you, past self, for taking care of future me. And I move on with my day. So that's what I'm focused on. I love that. Well, and also doing that helps us to forgive past versions of ourselves. We all do that thing where we want to constantly replay the weird thing we did seven years ago that we just can't get over. And what you got to tell yourself is that, your past self was trying the best it could to look out for future self, mm. and it was doing the best it could at the time. Yeah. Truly. I yes. like that. I like that. All right. Well, here's to that. Sam, what about you? What are you first leaving behind in 2023? Yeah. I have been telling myself that I'm going to leave behind what I'm calling forced loneliness. 
I think it happens a lot to people who live in cities like L.A. You have a rich social life. You have friends. You have things to do. But you still do this thing where instead of taking initiative to do things and see people, you just Mm -hmm. kind of veg out and chill out and you Mm -hmm. don't do it. And I think a big through line for me this year was telling myself that I had nothing to do and that I was bored. But what that word bored really meant was that I was lonely Mm. and that I wasn't connecting enough with the Mm. folks that I love and trust and want to be around to fill my life and fill my days. Mm. I felt this acutely in the last few months because I don't know if listeners have heard it yet, but a few months ago I had a breakup, you know, and when you break up with a partner who lives in the same city as you, you lose an activity partner, you know? And so Mm. I've had to think a lot long and hard about, what kind of interactions I want and what I want my days to look like. And I'm realizing I want to be around people more. Mm. I want to be around my people more. And it's so easy, you know, you're at the house, you got all the streaming apps, you got your phone, the dog sitting right there, you got your meal delivery for the week. You can just do that. But I'm saying no to that kind of forced loneliness next year. Mm. I am doing this thing where I'm trying now to have most of the nights of my week with some kind of item in the calendar for the evening. Hmm. Because as someone who works from home, if I don't right. make plans, oh, that's real. I could easily have mm-hmm. a day where day goes into night mm-hmm. and I've only talked to real people through Zoom. Yeah. That's no bueno, you know? So that's what I'm trying to leave behind this year. I love this too because I think, and I've read some books about this, I think the words bored and lonely are like, the water looks shallow, mm. but it's actually really deep. Like I think yeah. bored and lonely are actually really complicated feelings. Yeah. And, and, and you know, they're related, but yeah, we kind of toss them out and then kind of move on. But I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I think being bored or feeling lonely, like there's a lot going on there. So I uh, love you're you're looking into it. And how Thank you just you. said it, like I wasn't bored, I was lonely, is just really Oof, sitting on my chest today. Because yes. there's so many moments I look back now and I and I oh, can yeah. apply that to like no, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't bored. I was just really lonely. And mm-hmm. and yep. loneliness and why Oof. it's important to name it as loneliness is because you begin to see a map of how to get out of it. Do you begin yeah. to yes. be able to interrogate how because boredom is like what do I, I do? It's like, what do I do? That? I'm just bored. Yeah. I'm just bored. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love yeah. that. Well, that's that, that was really helpful. Okay, what's your intention for 2024, Sam? Yeah, you know, my intention is kind of just the roadmap I'm setting myself for the next year after a year that's kind of been full of loss and kind mm. of full of grief. Listeners know that my mother died in late June of this year. But listeners may not also know that about a month later, my long-term partner and I broke up. And then about two months after that, I was laid off from my primary job as host of the Vulture podcast Intuit. So within the span of four months, I lost a parent, I lost a man, and I lost a job. It's been hard. It's been very, very hard. And what I've continued to think about is like... What does this mean? And why did it all happen seemingly at once? Mm. And like, damn, is somebody out to get me? Mm. Who is out to get me? What the fuck? I remember, I think we were talking once. You were like, Sight, it's my Job year. I said, oh, Lord, yeah. Job. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a yeah. minute since I read the Bible, but I know what the fuck that means. Oh, shit. We got to do, <laughs> yeah. do something. Yeah. yeah. And so I've had to do a few things in the midst of that. One is to remind myself that, no, No one is out to get me. 
these things happen and I am not better than experiencing heartbreak. I am not mm. better than experiencing job troubles. I am not better than experiencing these things that are actually just a part of life. Yeah. And the reminder is that like in the midst of all the problems of life, at its core, life just wants you to live. It wants you to live. It's not mm -hmm. out to get you. It's out to save you. So that's first. Okay. But then I think two, in terms of my intention, you know, coming out of that, it's been me asking myself a lot. What do I do in the absence of such loss? Mm. Losing my man, losing my job, losing my mom. If more loss is due for all of us, because that's just what life is. Yeah. How do I make sense of this, make peace with this, and continue to love and live life abundantly going forward? And what I really landed on was kind of just determining and choosing to love the world and love my life the same way that I love my dog. So my dog, Zora, is 14. She had a few health scares this year, and we all thought she was going to die. Like, I was just like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. And it hasn't yet. But I've noticed this strange phenomenon with Zora. The closer she walks to death. I don't love her less. I love her more. Mm. I love her more knowing that my time with her is limited. Mm. And for me, that is the lesson for 2024. When we are faced with the eventual reality that everything we love will eventually leave us or will leave it, what do we do in the face of that really hard truth? A lot of us can choose to love less, to pull away, mm -hmm. to detach, to never get too attached because this thing will go at some point anyway. Right. The alternative is to love the world like I'm trying to love my fucking dog. Every day I know I have fewer days with her and every day I love her more because I want to mm. savor these moments and keep these moments and make memories. And so that's my intention for next year to know that none of these things last forever and that that means with every moment that I can, I must love them all the way. Love all the way. Mm. That's it. I love that. I, I love, love that you're that. choosing love. Because a lot of people do do the opposite. They pull away. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, in the end, if we are all going to lose, if that's the human experience is to gain and then lose, it's better to have loved and lost yeah. than to never have loved at all is the, the famous phrase. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, dogs on my mind is what Dog I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saeed, what about you? Whoo! Okay. <laughs> What I'm leaving behind, and this is actually a conversation that came out of the group text and something, Zach, that you said that lit up a feeling that I've been troubled by. You know the phrase, tit for tat, this for that, mm -hmm. that kind of dynamic? Well, mm -hmm. I did this, so you got to do that, that dynamic? Okay. So mm -hmm. this year, as I move forward, I am leaving behind debt collectors. Mm, That's the phrase. That. I'm mm -hmm. thinking about Juliana Margulies as soon as you okay, say that. That is one yep. example. That is certainly one example. Yeah. But, but you know, also just people in your life. And this could be allies, certainly, right? This could be friends. This could be, you know, romantic relationships, industry colleagues, debt collectors, people mm. who your kindness, your advocacy, your support, the help you give is in fact just a debt that you are strategically saddling me with, with the intention mm -hmm. of being able to use me in some way in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I did this for you at X point, and now I'm calling in my chips. You know, like that kind of yeah. dynamic. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I really hadn't thought about this experience until this year. And I've really been shaken by it. As, as you both know, in particular, I take friendship very seriously. Yeah. I think friendship is a really significant kind of love in my life. And so to realize that love of friendship can be weaponized has mm-hmm. been very disturbing. And so to the debt collectors who have had the grace to be in my life in 2023, oh, I hope you had a good time. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I know it will never be as good for you as it was for me, but I hope it was good because it's over. I'm leaving mm-hmm. you behind in 2023. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I love that. Fare thee well. <laughs> yeah. I love that. What I love about that too is it has felt like a, a season of realizing I was in debt to people I had no idea or even track again. No idea. idea. And the gag is at least debt collectors let you know. Exactly. Part. I didn't get a letter. They get <laughs> that part. It didn't it didn't get sent to accounts, but I, suddenly mm-hmm. the other day everything got like, sent to accounts. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. But you know, I think like the opposite of a debt collector is investors, you know, not predatory mm-hmm. private equity investors, but like people who pour mm-hmm. into you and know that through the love that you all create together, through the bond and and the camaraderie, that that will produce the fruit of the ROI that people are looking for, which Mm -hmm. is just the the being together, seeing each other rise, being able to pay witness to your journey. Because it has been shocking to me as well to be like, wait, 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 you were just here because you needed me in your artillery belt for one day when you had a Mm -hmm. fight? You were keeping Mm -hmm. tabs? You were keeping tabs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just meaningful relationships, and that can manifest all different kinds of relationships, I think require abundance and grace. And of course, it's not like taking advantage of each other, but you know, it's like that stinginess, nah, that's staying behind. My intention for 2024 is connected. I'm determined to be generous of spirit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Generous of spirit. And and then what I wanted to add too is like ambitiously creative, like never before. Because I realized this year, like Sam, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of loss, and that takes energy. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of energy to deal with that. So I kind of had to go at times into kind of creative survival mode. You know, kind of like low power mode on yeah. your yes. phone, you know, yes. where you're like, whoop, got to save my uh-huh. battery, you know. And so moving into 2024, I don't want to think about saving battery. I want to give it all. I want to give it all. I want to be generous of spirit. I want to love more. I want to have more hope. And I want to create more than I ever have in yeah. my life. And I feel like I owe it to this year, you know, to kind of show out. Well, as a longtime oh, yeah. lover of your work, even before we were friends, I'm excited to hear that there's more coming next year. Wee! How we fight for our lives, the sequel. Come on now. I won't. Still fighting, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mortal Kombat up in this it. motherfucker. Woo! I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, friends, that's what we're leaving behind and what we're running toward. I hope this was helpful for you. And maybe if you want to sit down and get out like a little notepad and then sketch out some ideas for yourself, I think it's useful. I think it's useful. And of course, you can let us know if you want to share your intentions with us for the new year. Email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. And that's, that's it. That's the show. 
We that's did it. it. That's Joe. 2023. Yeah. We, we, we made, made it. it. To the end. We made it. <laughs> yes. The burning house that was 2023. We're outside. We're on the front lawn. We're breathing clean yeah. air, children. <laughs> <laughs> but where do we go next? Oh, where do we God. lay our hands oh, next year? Who knows? We're, we're about to, to find out. House. Well, <laughs> until then, thank you, dear listener, for tuning into this week's episode of Vibe Check, the last of the year. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend. Tell them all. Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Sam Kiefer, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. And special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And listeners, know that we always want to hear from you. Do not forget, you can email us whenever you want. The email address is vibecheck at stitcher.com. Vibecheck at stitcher.com. Also, stay in touch on Instagram. I'm at Sam Sanders. Zach is at Zach Staff. There's a C H in his Zach. And Saeed is at The Ferocity. Use the hashtag VibeCheckPod if you post about the show. And for real, let us know your intentions for the new year, as we asked y'all earlier. All right, we are back with a new episode next Wednesday. Till then, Happy New Year, everybody. Don't party too hard and party safely. Drink okay. water. Party hard and party dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>